and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to see the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. Bom, 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 bom. Yeah, we are back for our third annual Phantom Week. Yeah, I'm really excited. We've talked about a lot of great Phantoms. Mm-hmm. We have had the Live at the Albert Hall iteration mm-hmm. of Phantom of the Opera very early on in our podcasting run. And then we did Love Never Dies that same week as a little bit of a bonus episode yep. discussing all the issues with the continuity in Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera universe. Last year, we watched the movie version of Phantom of the Opera, mm-hmm. which I'd seen before, but that was really interesting to watch. And obviously, a few weeks ago, we talked about the fantastic soundtrack of Goosebumps, the musical, The Phantom of the Auditorium. Yes, which is now one of our favourite musicals ever. Absolutely. And definitely the best version of Phantom of the Opera. (laughs) I mean, I'm waving the banner very proudly to say, let's bring this to London, please and thank you. Mm -hmm. Be their opening night to cheer everyone on. Yes, indeed. Surely there can't be much more Phantoms to talk about. There are so many more Phantoms to talk about. I'm so excited. But this is one you've talked about for a very long time. Yes, this has always been on my list of things that we were going to watch. I learned about this musical from the wonderful diva of musical Hell. Yep. uh, Who did an episode on it, which everyone should go and watch because it's so funny. I love her videos. (laughs) That tells me a lot about the quality of this musical before we even start watching it, if it's been covered by the diva for musical Hell. Because that's where we talk about the worst of musicals. <laughs> no, this is actually like bad on purpose. Okay. So it falls into a slightly different category of bad, bad musicals. But yeah, that's how I found out about this musical. I then went and watched as much of it as I could because at the time you can get it anywhere. Yeah. I can buy a DVD of it in the UK. Uh, I don't know why. Sometimes that happens. And I couldn't get it on any streaming platforms and I didn't really want to pay for it. So I watched as many clips as I possibly could and got a bit obsessed with this musical. And now I get to watch the whole thing with you because we can actually watch it. The irony is that you're making me pay for it. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Because we are watching it on Amazon Prime where Mm -hmm. we have to rent it. Which is always good, you know, it means we have to watch it in one go, yep. you know, otherwise we've got to rent it again, mm-hmm. you know, and especially if it's kind of like headache inducing, I've just got to go with it. Yes. I mean, thankfully I'm not on any painkillers anymore, so maybe it won't have too much of a traumatic effect on me. So you've seen the whole thing, but like clip forms. Mm-hmm. And did you enjoy it or, or did you? Yeah. It's a good time. We're going to have fun. We will have more fun than we did watching Pinocchio. Okay, that's interesting. So what came first? Obviously, we know that the Phantom of the Opera story is a very, very old story and there's been so many different iterations, but I guess the most famous version of the Phantom of the Opera is Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical. What came first? Is this a direct response to Phantom of the Opera by Andrew Lloyd Webber or is this just Phantom as a story? So, Phantom of the Opera had its first London performance in 1986, October of that year, and this movie came out in 1974. So, Andrew Lloyd Webber definitely inspired by this one then? Probably 
Technically, yes, because this is a rock musical. Oh, that's so cool. Because that's really, really interesting. And, you know, he's notorious for ripping other people off, so... Yeah. We're not going to go into depth about it today, but we all know. We, we all know. We all know what's going on. Everybody knows. That's really interesting, because I thought that this would exist solely because Andrew Lloyd Webber. I think people think that, though. There's, like, a perception around it that it's making fun of the Andrew Lloyd Webber Phantom of the Opera, but really... This is a very loosely adapted mashup of the novel Phantom of the Opera with like Dorian Gray. There's a bit of Faust going on in there. Oh, I like Faust. Uh, like, and a lot of spoofy B horror movies of the time. Okay, very, very cool. Yeah. Is there and any... then at, at the same time, it feels very Rocky Horror. Without having any direct influence between the two. So it's that kind of genre, like, era of movies that it's, like, so bad on release, but will gain a cult following. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's definitely what happened. The thing is, whenever I hear Phantom of the Paradise, I just want to sing Paradise by the Dashboard Lights by Meatloaf. <laughs> Like that's been in I'm my surprised head. Surprised he's not in this. So, so he's this not going to be like in this. Feels like the kind of thing he would do. Okay. Yeah. No, well, that's what I was going to ask: is is does he feature at all? Like, is he the Phantom or is he a villain or does he? You know how we've got in Phantom of the Opera. You've got the two opera singers, obviously, but like one. Of, yeah. And... Yeah, the one that the Phantom kind of abducts and kills. Yeah, I, that's him. That's who I could picture Meatloaf being in in this, but with like the rock voice mm -hmm. because it's a rock opera. Is and any... that's what he does in Stage Fright, yes. which is the other version of Phantom of the Opera that we've watched too. Is there anyone I will know in this? Yes. Well, so this is directed and written by Brian De Palma. Who did Carrie? Uh, yeah. And Ooh. this is actually where he met Sissy Spacek because she worked as a set dresser nice. on this film. He also did Mission Impossible yep. uh, in 96, The Untouchables, Scarface... Femme Fatale, Casualties of War, Body Double. Like, he's a, he's a very mainstream box office hit Is guy. this very early into his career then? I mean, it must be if it's the 70s. And... Not really. Like, Carrie was... Well, yeah, I guess it was. He'd done films before this, but this was sort of his passion project, I think. <laughs> Saved up all his money just so he could fund this and has maybe taken two or three jobs that he didn't want to do just to be able to fund this. Yeah, which is usually what happens with these kind of films. And then the music for it is written by Paul Williams, who also is in this and okay. wrote his voice to one of the characters as well. But you'll know him from writing uh, We've Only Just Begun, the song. We've only yep. just begun. To live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wrote that. Um, he wrote the theme from the original Star is Born for Barbara Streisand. Not the original one, sorry. The second or third one, because there's like four of them. Is that going to be our next like Annie series, like Star is Born? Uh, I guess. He also wrote Rainbow Connection. Cool. For Kermit the Frog. Yeah. As amongst a bunch of other like... Uh, TV theme songs like The Love Boat and the entire musical score for Bugsy Malone. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. I like Bugsy Malone. Which I think with this, you can hear similar influences, even though Bugsy Malone came after this. Yeah. Because that's 76. Okay. So I don't know him, but I know of him. 
well, he is in the Princess Diaries. Oh, is he really? <laughs> yeah, he's one of the lords in the Princess Diaries. He's quite short, like you would recognise him. I think when you see him, or if you saw a picture of him now, you would yeah. recognise him. I don't know that you'll recognise him in this because he is quite heavily made up. Okay, fair enough. But yes. And then we also have William Finley, who is playing the eponymous phantom, and Jessica Harper, who is playing our leading lady. But she is in Suspiria, which I love that film. I don't know if you've seen that. No. You'd li- I think Neither you'd of like those it. are names I recognise. No. I don't know that you would. She was in the sequel to Rocky Horror. Shop oh, treatment. like, yeah. Yeah, and never she's, seen that. she's Janet. Weird. Yeah, because Susan Sarandon was like, yeah, no, <laughs> not doing a sequel. I forget that there's a sequel to the Rocky Horror. I think everybody would like to choose to forget that there's yeah. a sequel to Rocky Horror. But yeah, so we've got a lot of people who are quite well cast for this film. And like William Finley is very well cast for this film. I think he does a really good job with this kind of role. The way that they play the Phantom in this is very different to the Andrew Lloyd Webber sexy Phantom. Well, I think the Andrew Lloyd Webber Phantom is Edward Cullen. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I'm so broody. Well, it's like Angel as well from from Buffy. Yeah, whereas this guy is solidly like Nosferatu. (laughs) But I'm also imagining if you say Rocky Horror, like he's a little bit Dr. Frankenfurter. Yeah. You know? I guess maybe not so much of the sexiness, the crazy part. No, but maybe like big, animated, slightly eccentric, and over the top. Yeah, mad genius. It's always fun when we watch something that I know very few of the people involved, just because it's not like I'm going in with preconceived notions about them. Mm-hmm. What was the response to this one like? I mean, did it make a lot of money? Did it get a lot of positive reactions? Was it one that like? You know, places like the Prince Charles Cinema would screen and people would get really, really into years after. So the way that people like the New York Times and Variety looked at it, they said it was a good horror comedy drama, (laughs) that it had really excellent camera work and was very well directed for what it was, and that all the actors came across extremely well. Yeah. However... Because it is a parody of Phantom, Dorian Gray, rock music, the rock music industry, and like B horror movies, those things already are in themselves kind of parodies. Yeah. And or within the world of those things, there are already parodies of that. So you have to do quite a lot to stand separately to those things. Yeah. And that this maybe didn't do that. Okay. However, people really liked this like one of the reviewers for the new yorker said that even when you think you're going to anticipate a plot turn it's just impossible to guess what's going to happen okay that's cool which is i think a good thing for this kind of film yeah it keeps you on your toes as opposed to actually Mm -hmm. like so formulaic you could watch it and just like drift off because you know what's going to happen yes cool which is a good thing it has an 86 percent Rotten Tomatoes score. That's really good. People really, really like this. And the consensus is that this is Brian De Palma's subversive streak. And like, this is what he wants to do stuff like. As opposed to Mission Impossible. Yeah. Which is great. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I am really excited to watch this one. I mean, I love Phantom Week. Yeah. 
I have no expectations going into this. I like a rock opera. Mm -hmm. If it's going to be zany, I'm all for it. But I, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's very rare lately we've gone in something and I have genuinely no expectations. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So I could love this one. I could hate it. What do you think? Do you think I'm going to enjoy this one? Or again, is it like it could go either way? I think it could go either way. But I think even if you don't like bits of it, there are some things where you're like, this is just a good time. Like, Fair enough. It's not high art, but... <laughs> I assume there's when never... When is every, anything we watch high art? No. And I assume there's been no plans to do a stage version of this one. Nothing in the I pipeline. I honestly don't know how you would. Okay. Um, there was something called Phantom Palooza, which was a fan-organised festival that just played the music from this film. And a whole bunch of the cast showed up to it. That was in uh, 2005 and then 2006. And then there's been like quite a lot of... Uh, Quite a lot of cinemas that show it as like a quote along. Yeah, like Prince Charles cinema does with Rocky Horror, like a lot of cinemas do with The Room. Yeah. Where it's a good time. Which is great. Well, I guess it's time to head to the paradise. Yes, the paradise is a place. Congratulations. <laughs> I guess it's time to head to the paradise and yeah. find out why the Phantoms traded in the opera for this rock place. Mm -hmm. And... I guess have a good time. I'm going to have a good time. <laughs> you will find out when we return from intermission. And we are back. <laughs> yes, we are. We survived the... Uh... I don't even know what you would call it. We it's survived not, the paradise. Yeah, it's not so much a Phantom's massacre, is it, in this one? He is massacred. He's massacred, but it's not so much like he massacres a lot of other people. He he has, like, one kill? Mm-hmm. Maybe two? Mm-hmm. Good film, though. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's one. It's, I don't think it's him in the end. Yeah. Oh, no, I guess it is. It's him, but by accident... I don't know. And I guess it's his own fault that he dies. Yes. So three. We'll go with three. We're <laughs> yeah. not doing a kill count. We're not for, doing a kill count. But I did enjoy this as some kind of like weird way to spend an evening watching just a crazy film mm -hmm. that came out under 20th Century Fox, apparently. Yep. You know, I guess that's hot off Rocky Horror or possibly, you know, they're trying to find that niche mm -hmm. i don't know if this came before or after but i enjoyed this one good i'm glad the, the characters are very very weird but i i did like what it did with the story mm -hmm. and like the twists and turns are quite interesting even if they're a little out of the blue at times mm -hmm. i thought it was quite nice the kind of exposition at the start we learn about swan being this prodigy and everyone looks up and he chairs dead records. What are you shaking your head about? Sometimes I, I read things about the making of films yeah. while we're sat here recording. 
And the one that's just come up, I mean, we'll get to the scene that it's talking about, but uh, I swear in the 70s, there were there was just no health and safety. And I know people make jokes about it a lot. And we talked about it even earlier with things like Meet Me in St. Louis. And Annie. And Annie. <laughs> oh, my God. The Annie. actual orphans <laughs> just climbing like, yeah, out Just the let building. that kid die. It's fine. But, oh, my God. Well, it was just naturalism, wasn't it? It was method acting. Make them feel like they're actually orphans. Method Your parents is... don't love you. You've got no parents. Method you know? acting is dumb. It is dumb. And I'm so glad to see people speaking out about it as well. Yeah. Maybe, especially because it's Mads Mickelson. If, if he is Mads telling Mads. you it's wrong, then you know he's right. Yeah. Hannibal Lecter <laughs> says that something <laughs> Hannibal is Lecter is the voice of reason. Well, it, I mean, he has to be. Imagine doing playing Hannibal and doing that naturalistically. <laughs> exactly and anyway, you know you know jared leto would go that far tangenting but tangenting so i like this opening we learn a lot of stuff and there's some really nice atmospheric creepy music mm-hmm. one of the things that you have always said when we've watched specifically the andrew lloyd webber phantoms is that you wanted to know more about like why he's like this yes because the only clips that we see in the film version are the like bits to where he's a child and he's being mistreated, yeah. but we don't see any of the adultness before yes. he becomes a crazy murderer. I still want a scene where it shows him going out and purchasing the monkey. Right? Or like the mask. Who he gets trades him like that? Yeah, he, he basically trades a song for the monkey and he trades another song for the whole costume. Right. But in this version, we spend nearly 20 to 30 minutes of this film with Winslow Leach, the main character, Yes. before he becomes the Phantom. And I really like that. I think that's really, really fun to see what drives him to the brink of insanity, mm-hmm. you know. We, we do learn that the paradise is this ultimate rock palace and it's basically Disneyland, you know, but for rock. Right. And then when we see it at the end, it's not. It's a theatre. It's just a... It's just. It's not a, even a concert venue. It's just a theatre. Yeah. It's very weird. Swan is unable to make up his mind, I think. Mm. So we start with the Juicy Fruits. Singing goodbye, Eddie, goodbye. I love the Juicy Fruits. I think this is a hilarious bit of character that shows up in the background that because the Juicy Fruits have also made a deal with swan they kind of just has to do have to do as he says yes and so they have all these iterations where they start as the juicy fruits and then they become the beach, the beach bums. bums and then the undead yeah which is i really like this and this is very very nostalgic at this point you know they're basically greasers mm-hmm. some of them are kanicki and danny they're a nostalgia band yeah yeah i i think this song has i said to you as i was listening to it, it sounds just like elton john doing you know crocodile rock yeah it does you know this song's a fictional narrative about how eddie needed to raise money for his sick sister and he relied on american kindness yeah and that trend has obviously continued well into this decade where we have kickstarters and gofundmes yeah because basically you know you can rely on american kindness but you can't rely on the healthcare system (laughs) not at all but so uh, while they take their break, <laughs> Winslow comes out and he's playing the like intermission. But there's a weird bit before then because there's literally no applause at the end of it, and then we just see a gloved hand applauding. Mm-hmm. 
and it's our point of view. Oh yes, because we they don't want us to see what Swan looks like at yes. this point. But I thought, because it was the gloved hands, that we were the phantom at this point. Mm -hmm. And especially in hindsight, considering Swan is the villain, this is a really weird choice to have us view the world and interact with Arnold as the villain. But it's not because of the movies that this is parodying. Yes. So most B-horror movies, and horror movies not just from the 70s, but even through into the 90s, we get the perspective of the killer. Think about Halloween... We spend quite a lot of time as Michael Myers, yeah. like chasing people around. And so it's pretty normal once you know that that's what it's parodying. But if you were just watching this film like you were, just like... Are we the phantom with these gloved hands? Yeah. It's, you know, especially because we're in the annexes hidden above. Mm -hmm. Arnold is talking to us. This is who Meatloaf would play. Yeah, I can see that. And he's he's basically saying how about he wants to stop people's success, that we need to release something new and sign someone to a contract mm -hmm. so that we own them. And... And while they're talking, Winslow comes out and sets up. Yes. And he just has a keyboard or, a, well, it's a standalone piano. And he is playing a song from his uh, operetta called Faust. And... Yes. Yeah. I think he looks like Adam Driver who has gone back in time to play Elton John. <laughs> cool. That's like the vibe I got from him. And, you know, he's very animated at the keys. There's a lot of like performance. Head swaying. Yeah. And, yeah. and I really like the sound of Faust. It's mm -hmm. very like soulful, but it hits Swan and he decides that this is the sound to open the paradise. Yeah. He's like, that's the song. But that is not the guy. Yeah, but that's don't not... want this guy. So they, they plan to get a contract and they'll replace him. Because mm -hmm. that's the music industry, baby. Yeah, so he sends Arnold to steal the song, basically. Yes, and, and Leech is like really into it. He's like, oh yeah, I'd love to work with him. He wants to commission this. And he has like stacks of paper for his whole thing. Like, no, we just want the song. He's like, oh, but it's not a song. It's It's so much more. And it's like, it's his masterpiece. It's the story of Faust, which... I love the story of Dr. Faustus. I went to see it a few years ago mm -hmm. with Kit Harrington in. Cool. It's very, very cool up in uh, Stratford-upon-Avon. Mm -hmm. He insists that only he can sing Faust and he will not let the Juicy Fruits massacre his work. And we see him get quite violent with this, which is really like, huh. And the fact that Arnold... Is that his name? Arnold seems scared, yeah. Yeah, and like he's Swan's hired muscle. Yeah. And he's scared of how strong Winslow is. So there's a little little inkling for the future. But especially because he doesn't have that vibe. Like he does look like spaghetti arms, you know? Oh like, yeah, he's a dweeb. He's a bit like the rage that he exhibits here mm -hmm. is so like primal. And again, like you say, it's a, a good foreshadowing for what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So we cut to a month later. Nothing's happened. There's no progress. So Leech has gone to yeah. Death Records. I really like the architecture of the inside. You know, it does look very cool. Yeah. And like stylized. Like this is 100% something you'd see from the 70s. You know, the colours, the... Like it's circular as well. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. Some nice shots following Leech. He's waiting for a call and we see the receptions go through the file of facts, finds his name and it zooms in on never to be seen. Yeah. Because of course we know what's happened to him. He sold his work 
but he should have got a lawyer to check through that contract. Yes. Because he'd have probably read the clause that says we're buying the song only mm-hmm. and you lose all rights to your work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, read the fine print. Always read the fine Always print. Always read the we fine print. We learned that from uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good day to you, sir. You get nothing. <laughs> I like the fact that we then cut to the evening and we see him just watching and he sees Swan getting his car and he, he calls a taxi and follows him to Swan Manor. Mm-hmm. And we have a, a cute little song. There's maybe a few few words. It's my skip song because it's it's basically nothing, but I liked it, which yeah. is never thought I'd get to meet the devil. Mm-hmm. I like the, the little bit of music. And, you know, he sneaks into Swan's home. And as he arrives, there's a queue of women here for an open casting call for Faust. Yes. And he recognises the music. Mm-hmm. And he bumps into Phoenix, who yes. is an aspiring singer who has the sheet music of his song Faust, and he sings it with her, and he decides that she has actually a really nice voice for singing this song. And he will mentor her and make sure that she gets the role. He'll use his sway with Swan. Mm-hmm. And... They go up, they get counted in, you know, for this open casting call. And they're like, no, go away, no men. Yep. And he's like, oh, but I'm the, I'm the writer. He's like, okay, whatever, you're not coming in. Yes, because we find out this isn't a casting call in the way that Phoenix and Winslow think it is. It is a casting couch. Yes. I think is the best way to describe that. It is. She is unimpressed and immediately gets up to leave. Yeah, and she's like, I'm not going to get it this way. I, I want to be based on the merit of my voice, not on the merits of anything else. And she walks away, tears. And we then see a little bit of inside what it's like. And some of the things like, oh, if you can sing standing up, you can sing on your back. And you see there's like a camera above the bed. Yes. And what Winslow has done is he's dressed up as a woman to sneak in. For this audience with Swan. Swan. Yeah. And Swan, we get the sense of like he's his voyeur, he's watching as opposed to actually involved. And the women, some of them have auditioned for him before and they know what to expect. So just like lie down and, you know, just enjoy it, which yeah. is really so s- gross. So gross. So see, but speaks volumes about we basically now know all we need to know about Swan. He is nasty. Yeah, it's the the whole. Um, it's, I don't know where I heard it. It was definitely in a YouTube video. I think it was... Oh, I don't know. Anyway, you follow so many YouTubers. I know. I watched this video once, and if anybody knows what it is, you can tell me and I will link it because it was so good. But it was a breakdown of how to introduce your villain in the best way. And it said the best example of that is Silence of the Lambs. Yes. And... Because you don't see Hannibal Lecter for a very long time. But up until that point, we hear about him and we hear what he's like and we're expecting to be terrified by this person. And then when you meet him, he's a very polite man. who He's not this terrifying monster. Especially he's, he's just a guy. In the confines of like this jail cell where there's some really like horrible, horrific things happening to Clarice with the other inmates and he's just calm. and Exactly. He's a gentleman. Yes. And so when you meet him, it's subverting your expectations. And this does the same thing because we are told all of these horrible and we're shown that this is what he's like. It's sleazy and it's 
disgusted. Like he's yeah. a creep. And then when we meet him, he's not physically intimidating. Yeah. Like you would expect. He's not dressed the way that you would expect. He's quite flamboyant and again, like calm. Yeah. He doesn't he's not erratic. He doesn't overreact. Not raising about his voice, which yeah. is more unsettling. Which is much more unsettling. It's so creepy. He shows up in like a white silk shirt with a white scarf and white trousers, and you're like, Oh my god, who is this guy? He's terrifying. And this is it. So we 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 know now that he's this villain because like there's some weird stuff about him, but especially if we're not aware yet mm-hmm. of who he's going to be, the fact that the first thing he says regarding Leech is the F slur. Yeah. It's instantly all right. He's our bad guy. We know who it is. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Winslow tries to tell him who he who he is, and Swan does recognise him. Yeah. He knows who he is, and then immediately kicks him out. And gets his security to beat him up. The next time we see Leech, he is in He's been thrown out of Swan's house. He's on like the front lawn. Yeah in his female dress disguise with a handbag and the police plant drugs on drugs him. on him and he's heavily bloodied as well yeah you know it's quite like graphic in terms of like oh this poor man because mm-hmm. we we've seen everything we know that he's not a bad person we know he's not deserving of this he's very naive yes he's very naive he doesn't deserve this so the cops plant drugs on him and he gets sent to sing sing prison mm-hmm and they're going to pull his teeth out. Yes, there's a thing where Swan sponsors this like scientist in the prison who's looking into new ways of preventing infection in the prison, which really the answer is just let them brush their teeth. Yeah. But they decide that teeth cause infection, so they remove all his teeth and replace them with silver fillings. Yeah. And again, he is really awful because you're like, I'm innocent. And the warden's like, are you really? Hands up if, if you're innocent in and this everyone, room and everyone puts their hands up. So he's working this assembly line. He's been through this hardship. They and then together like tiddlywinks. Yeah. And then the radio's playing and he hears the Juicy Fruits. Singing Faust. And he is driven he's into sensed, a rage. Yes. And he escapes, which is really, really cool. Like he doesn't spend long in jail. He literally just, in his Hulk rage, mm-hmm. breaks out of prison. And well, it was it's six months. Yeah, but th- this is what I mean is like it, it's no time at all for us as viewers. Yes. It's very, very quick in moving the narrative forward. Yeah, yeah. But he arrives at death record. He starts to destroy all the copies of the record. Mm-hmm. And then, oh God, this bit's awful. So he's destroying the records and all the record presses so that they can't make any more records of the Juicy Fruit singing Faust. Yes. And the guard comes in and startles him. Yeah. Shouts, get away from that record press. Yeah, and he gets stuck on it or something and he falls and gets record pressed, basically. This is the thing that I was reading. (laughs) Yeah, so... So the record press was a real press plant. Jeez. Where they were filming was a real... uh, It was an injection mould press for a toy company and they just put the circles over the top to make it look like a record press it was fitted with really thick foam pads to stop it from hurting him but it also had chocks put in place to stop it from closing completely good however it's a machine 
that is made to heat and press metal so wooden chocks are not going to keep it apart when you press go on it and it nearly crushed him basically Jesus. because the foam pads again a foam pad and a bit of wood is not going to stop this stop thing it. from closing oh, so it closed nearly all the way and William Finley ducked out of the way at the last minute like got the shot that they needed and then ducked out of the way but where he screams in that scene he's not acting mm. he's freaking out that's awful because he nearly got crushed by a toy press which God, is could you imagine if this film had to be stopped because of that mm-hmm well, this is it. So his face is horrifically burnt. He runs out and he leaps into the East River and is presumed dead. Yes. And we get the nice trope of a spinning newspaper that says, you know, big headline on Faust, mm-hmm. small thing about Winston Leach, presumed dead. Yeah. And we cut to opening night at the Paradise. Mm-hmm. Or at least I thought it was opening night, but it isn't. No, it's... <sighs> So confusing. Yeah, this is where the plot does get really, you know, like some things you're like, okay, are we here or are we not? Yeah, so this is obviously just a rehearsal at the Paradise. And like a casting as well. Yeah, because the Juicy Fruits have now become the beach bums. Yeah. And some of them don't want to do this anymore either. So we have the behind the scenes, the musicians are getting fed drugs to make them keep performing well and we have this nice bit before we see the beach bums we're walking into the paradise and we yeah as winslow yeah we're as winslow now so the point of view shot is repeated but this time through winslow's perspective Mm -hmm. we hide in a wardrobe storage area we find a cool phantom mask yeah he finds the cape and the owl mask yeah and becomes the phantom of the paradise and, yeah, then we cut to the Juicy Fruits for singing upholstery. The beach bums. Yes. And I really like this split screen effect that we have here, that we see the stage, but we also see the backstage stuff where they're like, oh, we don't want to do this anymore. And they're being, like, given drugs just to keep them going on and to appease them. Yeah, so the the song that they're singing is a very, very reworked version of the Faust song that we heard earlier. But, like, to the point that it's basically unrecognisable. And, obviously, Winslow has a problem with this. So he plants a bomb inside of their car prop. So I guess there's more kills than the three, because he must kill the the girls who are on the... Nearly kills the beach bombs. Yeah, but there's girls in the car. Yeah, it says he doesn't. Okay, fine. So... (laughs) So this is it. He, the car blows up. Everyone's panicked towards the Phantom. And we see Swan who just looks up and he's like, hmm. And he goes to the security desk. Instantly recognises there's a Phantom in the Paradise. Instantly. There's no like... Yeah, he's not really a Phantom because everybody knows that he's there all the time. Yeah. But but this is it. It's like there's no like... Nothing like with Phantom where they're like a letter arrives and people are like, yeah, it, it's not true. Someone's just playing pranks. Mm-hmm. Here we are. He's like, Swan knows. And he he finds Leech. Yeah, he finds Leech, and he starts mocking him. And Leech can't speak now because of the accident. Yeah, and you know his vocal cords were burned. Yes, and Swan tries to bargain with him, and he's like, "Trust me." I'm thinking, no. Why would you trust him? Mm-hmm. Like he's already, he's already proven himself untrustworthy. He shows him this specially made recording studio. Yes, that he's going to give to Winslow. 
Is this first or do they cast first? They I cast think, first. Yeah. So they have they they have the casting call and Phoenix shows up and sings special to me. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have this bit where Swan's like, What will you give me? You know, she's like, I'll give you my voice. He goes, Okay, I'll give you know, give me your voice for a song. She sings yeah. special to me. And there's weird moments here where she's looking at us directly through the camera as well. Almost like it's us, you know, we're not we're not leech. We're not in anybody's point of view at this point, but she does look directly into the camera. It's almost like we're watching this performance through Leech's mind, mm-hmm. I think. But he's with Swan watching the audition and he likes Phoenix. And they cast her. Yes. And then we go into the special recording studio where he's singing. Yes, yeah, so Swan, I keep wanting to say Winslow when I'm talking about Swan. Swan hooks the Phantom up with a box, basically like Darth Vader. Yeah. And plugs it in and he's messing with the sound to make this voice sound good. He's not trying to make it sound like Winslow again. He's trying to make the perfect voice. Yes. Which is ironic because it is Paul Williams' voice. Yeah. He is the voice of the Phantom from this point. Which is very, very cool. Um. I like well, the this. singing voice of him, the singing voice, because the talking voice is still uh, William Finley. Yeah. But I like that there's the little joke of like he's fixing the dials and he's changing it, and then he finally hears Winslow singing, and he's like, "Ah, yes, perfect," says the guy who is the voice and wrote this song. You know how post the Batman, you showed me that TikTok of like someone rushing in, they've seen the bat signal, and they're like hastily quick applying. do your makeup, yeah. That's exactly what Leech has done because he's mm-hmm. got his black lipstick on and like and heavy eyeliner black well. eyeliner mm-hmm. and eyeshadow, which is not there at the end when he's fully unmasked in front of everyone. That's because he was prepared to be unmasked. Yeah. So at this point, it's just like, you know, he's he- heavily covered himself with all of this. He's got his silver fillings as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he gets his voice, which is really nice. Yeah. And when swan unplugs it it's still a bit like staticky and gravelly yes but he's like hey at least you can talk now and swan says you know like i've given you your voice back all i want from you is i want the show finished and in return phoenix will perform it Mm -hmm. because it is cantata yes and you know the phantom says why should i trust you i think good why should you be trusted and you know swan presents a contract and says this time i'm actually going to sign you and it has to be signed in blood. Yes. So that's thing. signed. I do really like the whole vibe of the Phantom, that it is very Darth Vader, but like the owl mask is, it's not just like a half mask, the whole thing's covered, which gives this really nice like wide-eyed effect. Yeah. Which is very, this very This is cool. the whole Faust Mephistopheles thing. Yes. Signing your contract in blood. Yes. We're in business together. Yes. Forever. Yes, indeed. And some of the stuff where he's flipping through it, because Swan's being like, oh, yes, absolutely, do read it. But he knows that Winslow's not going to understand half of the stuff that's in there. But some yeah. of it is like, your contract ends only with Swan. Yes. Like, which then comes into play later. Yeah, because you could be, for, you, you know, it, it's almost like you can't get out your contract, but Swan could decide to fire you. Mm-hmm. Which obviously it's not, but you look at it and go, well, why would I want to? Yeah. There's a weird bit after, I didn't quite understand this point. Not that this is a film that you should understand, I guess. But Swan listens back to the recording after, like talking with leech and it's kind of triggered mostly when he hears his voice so this is supposed to be that the voice that you're hearing it sounds like an older swan because any p 
pictures taken of him, including video, shows what he really looks yes. like, Dorian Gray style. Yeah. Or like vampire style. Which is I why guess. he doesn't like the photos being yeah. taken. Which is why that nobody takes pictures of him. Cool. So we go into the Faust reprise and we have a really nice montage. Mm-hmm. You know, as we have like the candle being fully lit and then at the end it's melted, but it's yeah, this really horrible red colour. Trying to finish this whole thing. But yeah, I liked that, the yeah. colour of the candle. You have it. like the record clock ticking. You have people panning into shot and panning. It's a really nice montage as he sings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Swan is talking to... What's his friend's name? Arnold. I can never remember his name. It's Arnold. Yeah. Arnold. Meatloaf. <laughs> it's not Meatloaf. He looks like Meatloaf. He's talking to Arnold and he is explaining that he doesn't like Phoenix. Yeah, he's instantly going back on his promise like five minutes later. But it's specifically because she's so perfect yeah. for that role and she's so like pure and innocent and all that stuff that Swan is against. So... He is instead looking for somebody to replace Phoenix. To and watch. I like this shot. He's in a dark room. He's like in the middle of a in the middle of a table. Well, we love those circular the Ron Swanson desk where he just yeah. turns, and you have all these different genres singing Faust and all these different styles singing mm-hmm. Faust, and it's really really cool. Until we meet Beef, yes, who is a glam rock prima donna. That is how they are described. Yeah, and yeah, I thought that was really nice. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I, I, yeah, I just... Phoenix is relegated to a backup singer because yeah. they don't want to fire her. Yeah, because they said they would use her, so they might as well. We go to a press conference, and Arnold's going for going no pictures of Swan, you mm-hmm. know, and and we have the announcement of a live recording of the rock opera Faust. He introduces Beef, who's in a coffin, and we have the goth Juicy Freaks, the undead, yes, yes the to undead. reveal him. They're going to also be backup because we need male and female backup for this performance. Yes, obviously. We'll see you later. The Phantom has just been stuck up writing, does not know anything that's going on, and is lied to by Swan, who says, you know, Phoenix. Well, not lied to, I guess. Swan tells the truth. It's like Phoenix is still involved. Yeah, and most of the time he's just like, yes, yes, she's perfect. And is like finishing the song. Then we go to rehearsals and Beef is struggling to sing Faust because it's out of his range. Yeah, he says, oh, this is written for a chick. And Swan's like, well, if you can't do it. And he's like, no, 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 I can do it because everyone wants to work for this guy. Yeah, but he's very, very awkward with his mannerisms as well, is Beef. Yeah, because this isn't really his thing. Yeah, like, and, and you know, you show a bit where Phoenix laughs because he can't get up off the floor. Yeah. Beef comes across quite, like, rocky. Yes. You know, has, like, rocky vibes. Mm-hmm. Swan returns to the Phantom, who's passed out, you know, yes. finally sleeping. And he's, like, in a in pills, well. which I assume is, like, pain pills as well, just to get through everything. I assumed so, but then I also thought, like, He's probably not feeding him. Yeah. So he's probably just got him in this, like, stupor. Yeah. And steals the work. Yes. And then we saw earlier that he had brought some guys in, some, like, builders or contractors in. And then at this point, when he leaves the room, he's like, okay, brick him up. Yeah, So they're bricking him into the room and they're just going to leave him in there. Do you not need this recording studio for anything else? No. They're, like, literally just going to keep him stuck in here for eternity. Yep. It's awful. Well, let's not keep him stuck in here. Nobody can go back in once it's bricked no, up. I know. So they were literally just going to leave him in there. Yeah. Like, it's so... I we'll mean, just build a new recording studio, I guess. Yeah, and let the Phantom die in this one. Yeah. Anyway, he's not dead pleased about that. No, we have these nice little moments. So Beef is kind of astute. He he recognises this show is cursed. 
you know, his... I mean, he gets the letter. Yeah. But, oh no. It's, no, he's just heard rumours of like a phantom, presumably from the car. Yeah. And then we see phantoms escaped and everyone's like... Past yeah, he like, literally like... punches his way. Because the wall is so newly made, it's yeah. not like difficult to get through, but he literally punches his way through the wall. The two guys who are outside, he like takes them yeah. out and they'll be freaked out because this guy just punched his way through Yeah, the Darth Vader's just come like through. And they probably haven't seen him before. No. And then he goes to... He finds out what's happening and he goes to Beef's changing room. Yes. Yeah, so his dressing room. Beef is showering. He's had a little snort of something. Yes. He's got his little shower cap on and this is supposed to be psycho. Yeah. Which is very cool. And I like the bit where he just plunges the mouth. Yeah. And it's like if, I, if you ever sing again, not even if you sing my songs, if you ever sing again... I will kill you. Yeah. Only Phoenix gets to sing my songs. Yeah. And Beef's like, cool, I'm leaving. Yeah. You, you <laughs> I know. quit. And I like the fact that at this point, the Phantom shows mercy. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't want to harm anyone. I just want, these are for her mouth only. But Beef has been warned. And I really like that he's immediately like, okay, I quit. Yeah. Like, I'm not getting involved in this. Immediately packs up. We cut outside. It's like everyone's arriving. You see Arnold. And Arnold sees Beef going to leave. And he's like, why? And he's like, because there is a phantom. And, and, and Arnold's yeah, like... I've met him. He's going to kill me if I sing again. Goodbye. And I, and, and it's why it's so important we saw him snorting something. So I was like... Are you high? You're on drugs. You're yeah. on speed. Is there a chance this is the speed? And he talks Beef back in. And then we we see how versatile the juicy fruits are because they're now the undead they're performing on stage mm-hmm. and the set is so cool because it's like filled with references to german surrealism you know so you've got like the makeup looks very nosferatu in the cabinet of dr caligari as does like the set itself yes they're supposed to look like it says here caesar the somnambulist i don't know no i'm not familiar with that one it's from the cabinet of dr caligari. okay i've seen the cabinet of dr caligari, caligari at university a long old time ago and it's great but I couldn't remember specifics about it. I just yes. remember like the visuals. The poor, the poor juicy fruits <laughs> who were forced to do this. They well, were obviously quite happy being the juicy fruits. I like somebody super like you, and I actually prefer this persona because I did not like, like in our very first song, like "Goodbye Eddie Goodbye." You have like Kaniki starts fighting someone, and Danny goes and flirts with a girl and comes back with her bra. I didn't like them in that iteration. I prefer them here as like goth misfits. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's slightly more wholesome, mm-hmm. ironically. So what they basically do is the Frankenstein awakening. Is this in Dr. Caligari as well? Mm, I couldn't tell you. It's been so long since I've seen it. It's like oh, well over 10 years. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Somebody will tell us, I'm sure. But this, they start pulling dummies from the audience yeah. and cutting body parts off them or cutting it's all performative it's very cool so they pull all these body parts from different dummies in the audience and then they put them all into this box the box goes up into the air a neon lightning strike like hits it and then they come back down like rocky in rocky that's horror. it it's so rocky horror picture show here and then he steps out of the box to sing the rest of the song and it's really cool really nice entrance and like the the costume design is great because he looks stitched together i i would have a very good time if this is what they were doing at a rock concert yeah. that i was at but we're supposed to be at the paradise now. Well, I've seen Alice Cooper do this sort of thing. He goes in a coffin mm-hmm. and he comes out with a magic like costume change. And it's so cool. Mm. Like, that's what I want. I, you know, from a rock concert like this is you want something like theatrical. Yeah, we want the big like over the top theatrics. 
And we have to have them because the paradise is just a theatre. Yeah. And it's not even like a big theatre. It's actually quite small. And there's no balcony or circle levels. It's just yeah. the floor of this room. It's essentially like your school hall with a theatre at the front. It's like as big as it looks. Yeah. But... They kept going on about how this place is going to be revolutionary, groundbreaking. It's maybe they just mean the people really... they're going to have performing. Yeah, or just what what is being performed, maybe. Yeah. It doesn't hit that, like, Disneyland vibes. You know, this is... Yeah, and he says, this will be my Disneyland. No. It's just fine. It's just it's a okay. theater. So I really like this, you know, the Phantom has something planned. He's looking at it and he's disgusted. He gave this guy mercy and now he's here parading yeah. with this erotic guitar solo. Mm-hmm. And what he does is he throws a neon lightning bolt into Beef and kills him. Yeah, he sets it up so that it's all like plugged in wrong. Yeah. So that it would spark. And yeah, he electrocutes Beef. And the crowd goes crazy for it because they think it's part of the show. Mm-hmm. They love it. They, they're like cheering and they pull the curtains whilst everyone's just like staring at like the smoking corpse of Beef. Yep. They pull him <laughs> off stage and Albert is like, okay, this guy just told me that if he went on and sang, that the Phantom would kill him. So I guess Phoenix, you're on. Yeah, (laughs) Arnold says the line, somebody killed Beef to hear her sing. Like, he gets it. He knows full well what's going on. Yeah, because Phoenix is like, I'm not going on stage. And he's like, yeah, well, somebody killed him to hear you sing. So let's go. We get old souls and, you know, Phoenix comes out in her Christine white dress. Oh, yeah. And that was really, that's another one where we were like, this is really funny. Because Andrew Lloyd Webber has definitely seen this because the Christine White dress happens here as well. And I don't know whether that's... I've read the book. I don't think it's ever specified that she wears a white dress for her Think of Me scene. Interesting, isn't it? I liked this song. I thought this song was very like Bond theme. Yeah, it sounds like a Bond theme. This is a Bond theme and it's beautiful. This is one of the best performances in this film because we just follow her for the entire song her performance, the entire audience, where they've just been cheering the entire way through beef song, are now dead silent. Yeah. And, you know, you see that the Phantom... (laughs) The Phantom's in trance. This is all he wanted, and everyone loves it. And, you know, we finish. Swan says Phoenix will be a very, very big star. She's over the moon. She's in a dressing room. We can hear the crowds, people cheering (laughs) for her. This is all she ever wanted. Mm -hmm. It says here, Swan seduces Phoenix in her dressing room. Well, this, so yeah, it's like, you know, come back with me to Swan Manor. Yeah, he's like, we'll go celebrate. And <laughs> she not. actually can't leave because there's too many fans. Oh, yeah, she's trying to go out of the stage door and then she can't. And then she looks up towards the stairs that go up to the roof. Because, of course, we end up on the roof because that's a phantom yeah. plot line. And the phantom grabs her and whisks her away. Yes, and she's freaking out the entire time because obviously he doesn't sound like Winslow anymore. No, my favourite bit of all of this as they look down on the crowd is the audience like are outside chanting beef, beef, As beef. he's being taken into the ambulance. Yeah, like completely away. covered. It's it's so like bad taste humour, but like mm-hmm. hilarious. And yeah, Winslow does reveal himself to Phoenix as the he Phantom. He says, you, do you not remember me? I'm, I'm Winslow Leach. I wrote the songs that you're singing. Please... Don't go with Swan. Don't yeah. sign anything because he'll destroy you. Yeah, but she doesn't. And she's like, mm, get away from me. <laughs> and she tells Swan that, you know, the Phantom's up there on the roof. Yep. 
they go off to the manor and then somehow he's there as well he's on the roof watching through as through the perv window yeah. as yeah swan and phoenix are getting it on and like his eyes he's completely heartbroken like again this is he's so good is it's william finney yeah finney Finn is so good because like his eyes are so white and there's so much expression and emotion to them you can see tears because of so much of his face being covered as well the, the eye acting in this is so good yeah it's very impressive it's so great and i adore them and this is the thing is old souls is playing as as, as swan and phoenix are canoodling but do you write the word canoodling? I did write the word canoodling. <laughs> but Swan's recording it because he's a perv. Yep. But he sees Leech and he smiles as he sees Leech's heartbreak. Yeah. And it's just like he's not he's not into what Phoenix is doing. He's into watching this man break. Like he's he's destroyed everything about. He he doesn't really seem that fussed by Phoenix. And no. I don't think we ever find out why he wants to marry her it is it can't, that comes so like out of nowhere but i think it's just he enjoys he's 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 an old performer he enjoys the showmanship that's all it is he likes being this weird center of attention yeah anyway phantom stabs himself stabs himself through the heart with a knife i thought oh we're we're at the end of the film then yeah and so. then he's lying there on the roof in the rain obviously because drama with this CCTV camera pointed at him and then Swan comes out and is like, hey, just so you know, you can't die because you signed your life to mine. Yeah. So good luck to you. Yeah, he and tries to so kill then Swan. And the Phantom tries to stab Swan, gets him. But nothing happens. And Swan's like, yeah, okay, good for you, but I'm also under contract too. So yeah. I don't know what you were going for here. Like Swan is so unfussed. By everything that happens in this film and it's great yeah he just no sells all of it because uh, i guess you wouldn't you're invincible why would you care mm-hmm. we get more spinning papers but this time it's rolling stones who declare swan and phoenix are going to get married on stage yeah and they start prepping for the wedding and the phantom's gone back to death records just to try and find like the contracts and figure out what's going on yeah so because swan told him i'm under contract too he was like cool i'm gonna go find it and find out what's going on with this he finds a like a tape an old real tape and he puts it in and he starts watching it and it is 20 year old like 19 20 year old swan in this like huge luxurious bathtub which is hilarious just anyway that he's videotaping himself yeah. from two different angles well that's it because he's bathtub. and he's edited it as well yeah. like he's recording himself from two and he records the mirror talking to him and it's so weird it's and so it's funny so cheesy. but yeah he's sitting there in the bath talking to himself on the cap well talking to the camera about how he doesn't feel like he has long enough in the world to make a a mark or to do anything yeah. so he's like oh if only everything would just go my way so i don't have to waste time on the little things and then his reflection because there's a huge mirror at the end of his bath as well starts talking to him and obviously it's the devil talking to him and this tape is from 1953 and yeah. he's not aged since then yeah because we had backstage a moment ago because we're cutting back and forth for paradise an old flame of swan show up with a picture of him it's like he's not aged we were we were sweethearts yeah. in the like, 50s 50s yeah and he hasn't aged but yeah so he is he'll remain youthful forever unless the videotape recording of his contract is destroyed and 
because like all the photos and videos of him will age in his place. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Yeah. So naturally the Phantom destroys all of this and destroys all the contracts. He, he burns destroys it and destroys all of them. He burns all the contracts in the contract room because obviously you would keep all of those things together. Yeah. All of those very flammable But I guess that's, that's what happens though, isn't it? It's in like one room. You hope that no one's ever going to... You've got security there. Well, normally you wouldn't be stupid enough to tell anybody that you were under contract. Exactly. And Swan has kind of got a little bit complacent. Yeah. So Swan tells Albert that he's not actually that fussed by Phoenix. Do you mean Arnold? Is that what his name is? Yeah. Arnold, Albert, whatever. I don't care. This character does not do Meat enough life. stuff. He's just here. Yeah. He just he's the the Disney animal sidekick character where it's he's like Lefou. we need somebody for you to voice your yeah. your thoughts to. So yeah, Swan tells him that he doesn't actually care about Phoenix, but he'll be a bajillionaire if somebody gets assassinated on live TV because he'll own the rights to that footage. But he also has to wear a mask to get married because he has... He, and he has a mask of his own face. Yeah, because he can't, obviously... Be on camera. So, yeah, the Phantom finds this out by watching it on, like, a live television. Yeah. Oh, oh it's the CCTV cameras. He sees it on the CCTV. He hears what they're talking about. And he's like, oh, no, i got to go say Phoenix. So yeah. he is and on his way to the thing. Arnold's going to be the priest for some reason, well, just to help make sure everything's okay. He's like, oh, cool, I can do that. I can be a priest. Yes. So weird. Um, and yeah. The Phantom appears in the box where the, the assassin is. Yeah. Like setting up. And this is it. So you've got massive energy here. You've got like this huge cake on the stage. And like, you know, Phoenix just gets a standard entrance. But Swan comes. She comes down the aisle. Yeah. And Swan like comes up through the cake. Like, mm-hmm. which is so cool. Like, that's how I want to arrive to our wedding. Okay. Good luck with Not that. with a mask. Maybe I'll just dress you as the Phantom. You can do the, um, the Sound of Music version no. of arriving in a cake. I'm literally... No, it's going to be blackness. And then a mask of your own And face. then I'm going to hear the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> and then there's going to be fire as I come up through the fire dressed like the Phantom. Okay. Bum, 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 bum. I will be at home while bum, that's bum. happening. You're going to be in white like Christine. No, I will Christine. not. Christine. But yes, uh, the Phantom stops the assassin... Assassin... He knocks the assassin aside and, and kills Arnold. Kills Arnold uh, instead of Phoenix, and he swings onto the stage, rips off Swan's mask, exposing him, like to his horrid, like destroyed Dorian Gray painting face. And is this because but it's everything's only on the live TV? But then there's also screens at the side. But, so is this happening because the contracts have been destroyed, or is it because now he's on TV? Both. Yeah. I don't understand why his face is like this. Oh, he should be... It should be because he's destroyed the contract. Yeah. So, like, his age returns to him. And this is it, because he's, he's put like, the mask on, he hasn't actually noticed. Mm-hmm. But Swan then tries to strangle Phoenix to death. Yeah. For no discernible reason. Phantom intervenes and stabs him, but then he... Because he's killing Swan... He dies because he's wounded. He also starts dying... But then the audience go into this, like, Dionysian it's, mania. Oh, it's, the, 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 it's like the back eye. Yeah. And they they saw Winslow stab Swan, so they all start doing it. And then they drag him away. And then Winslow's, like, dragging himself <laughs> down the stage. They raise him up as well, don't they? they ra- mm. It's so weird. Yeah. Winslow's, like, dragging himself away. And 
Phoenix is running away from him because he's following her, like saying her yeah. name. And he takes his mask off. He's not got his black eyeliner or his lipstick on. He looks like himself, but you see where he's been record pressed. Mm -hmm. Which And she finally recognises him and she dies he dies in her arms. As some, one of the audience takes his mask on and starts partying with it. Yes. That's a weird shot to put in yeah. at the conclusion. And then Phoenix is like, Winslow. And then it's the end. <laughs> yeah, and we get the hell of it, which is nice outro music. Which is music. a good song. Yeah. And it's this is the only song that's sung by Swan. As Swan is the character. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that was a that was a film. It was time. <laughs> it's it, This is it. It's, it so happens very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you can't look away from it because it's just so like, what am I watching? Right. And in the best way. Yeah, like I enjoyed it. I, I had a great time watching this one. Mm -hmm. What is your best song in this one? Probably Old Souls, just for how different it is to everything else and how like we were watching it the same way that the audience were when yeah. she's performing. We were just like completely silent through that whole song. I enjoyed every single song. Mm-hmm. I, the one I went for as my favourite song, as my, my, my best song, is Somebody Super Like You, just because I really like the theatricality of it all. Yeah. I could see that being like an actual like set piece at a rock show. Mm -hmm. But all of them are great. The only one I've said that I would... Well, I said Skip Song is Goodbye, Eddie Goodbye, just because I feel like it's the most... Oh, no, I like that song. I like it. Because I do, I do really like... I know I said it would be like the devil, you know, it's nice to meet the devil. Mm-hmm. I did really like the the sound and the singing of that, and it is short enough. I probably keep it. Never thought I'd get to meet the devil. It's fun, but I just think "Goodbye, Eddie, Goodbye" is so different to everything else in this because it is nostalgic. And at this point, we're then going to morph into the rock world. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. What would you say is your skip song? Probably upholstery. Yeah, like their version of the Faust song. Because but while that's happening. There's so much action that, like, you have to watch at the same time because uh, the Phantom is, like, placing the bomb and yes. going around and causing problems on the set and finding his mask for the first time. So I wasn't listening to the song. What I like about that and Goodbye, Eddie, Goodbye is you can hear influences of what they're supposed to sound like. So obviously, Goodbye, Eddie, Goodbye is, is Crocodile Rock, mm -hmm. which is great. I'd rather listen to Crocodile Rock. Well, then when they're the beach bums, it's supposed to sound like the Beach, beach Boys. Boys. And it does. It's really good. But I, I feel... Because I'm not so attached to the Beach Boys, I can deal with that one. But because I'd rather listen to Crocodile Rock. See, I love the Beach Boys. Yeah. What character was your MVP? I think Swan. I think Paul Williams. William Finley, right, as the Phantom, as Winslow, is so, like, enrapturing to watch. Yes. I don't normally say stuff like that. But he, the, he is giving everything in this performance and it's incredible. But the fact that Paul Williams wrote all the music for this yeah. and then was like, oh yeah, I'm also going to play the bad guy. And just the way that he performs everything is so subtle yeah. and interesting. Whereas Winslow's giving everything he's over the top. See, this is it. I've said in terms of like on-screen performance, Phantom is my MVP. Mm-hmm. However, when you do think about everything within this, like Paul Williams has to be, especially because he is the singing voice of the Phantom and has this, you know, great villain character. The only thing I would really change about this film is like if you were to remake it or whatever nowadays, the only thing that we don't need is him dropping the F slur. 
Yeah. He's still a villain without it. Yes. And that's the only thing that I'm like, that's not necessary. Yeah, it was definitely unnecessary. But I guess in the 70s, that was... How, that was yeah. The fact that we only had one instance of that mm-hmm. is like, okay, interesting. Yeah. Who would you want to play in your one choice? Um, I think I'll do a sissy space. It can be a set dresser for this one. I, I want to play the Phantom as always, but like mm-hmm. I, I would love to just play Winslow Leach. I think, you know, because you do get a bit more depth to him and you, you've got a lot more sympathy towards him. I mean, it is his own fault in terms of he's naive and he just goes for it, but he didn't ask for any of this. Mm-hmm. And it's like this rage. Like, it's, it's, a, it's his own hubris because he's so determined to put on this this amazing show. And yeah. he just believes the first person shows an interest. And everything bad happens. I think you could play a lot with this character. I think he's the one I'd want to play. Yeah. I gave this one three and a half stars. Cool. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, would I watch it again? I don't know. Probably give it a time, you know, before I rewatch it. But I, I feel like I could rewatch this one and have, you know, like this is a cult film. I could watch this and especially in the right environment. Like if you went to the Prince Charles cinema and you mm-hmm. had people chanting along, singing along. I reckon that could be really, really fun more yeah. so than anything else. Like, yeah, I think this would be a good time to go and watch like the Jellicle Ball style or the Labyrinth Ball. You've got the Rocky Horror sing along. Yeah, like, like if you like turn that. it into the Paradise Cinema, you know. Mm. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I would watch it again. It is very very crazy, and I can see why people say, "Oh yeah, but this is a bad film." But like that's part of its appeal. Like a lot of these films from this this era, that they're so bad, it's good. Yeah, and there's some really interesting and shots. This is why cult classics are a thing. Yeah, like, like I love the cross cutting bit and i love the point of view shots and i love the set dressing like there's so much going on with this it's a really interestingly made film i just think maybe it could benefit from an extra 10 10 minutes where the narrative stuff kind of falls apart that's Mm -hmm. where it could just have a little bit more yeah we have two weeks of live theater on the horizon yes so next week we are returning to a show that we've already seen like we're singing in the rain yes we've watched the film already but now we're going to go and see the actual stage show it's a film i really loved Mm -hmm. chicago yes i've seen the stage show already you haven't the stage show i've heard is very very different well mm, there are differences yeah there are always going to be differences yeah but it's like minimalist in like sets i'm quite intrigued to see how that comes about Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously we've spoken with ian from the best film ever as well about why it's his favourite musical. Yeah. I'm very excited to see this one live. It's been quite a while since we watched Chicago as well. So that's really interesting. We're seeing it before. Um, who is it from the the Only Way is Gemma Essex? Collins. We're seeing it before Gemma Collins takes over the role, which we'll talk about that next week. I'm, I'm both happy but also disappointed because, like, yeah, I, we have thoughts and we'll mm. verbalise them next week. And then the week after, we're going see a, a musical that I've not seen the film of we're gonna go see Dreamgirls yeah which I'm again your only experience with Dreamgirls is Glee right I think so yeah and again that's one I know had big Oscar hype Jennifer Hudson won an Oscar for it mm-hmm. we've not had a chance to see the film yet I think it'd be nice to experience the stage show first yeah 
As always, you can get involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram at It's A Musical Pods. Let us know your thoughts. Have we convinced you to watch The Phantom of the Paradise? Or are you, you not touching it with a barge pole? <laughs> if you want something to s- stick on at a bad movie night, you'll have a good time. Yeah, and if you do, let us know your thoughts. As always, you can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app under the podcast section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you like what we do, head on over to any of those platforms on podchaser.com and leave us a review and share us with your friends. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to go back to the theatre. Me too. It's been a while. And I'm excited to, to revisit Chicago. That's I, It's like singing in the rain, one I really enjoyed and I'm excited to go back to. So yeah, we will see you same bat place, same bat channel next week. And have a magical musical Monday. Thank you.